Good evening, church, and thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders, and this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we take some of the most exciting people and events in the, the Old Testament. We we talk about it. Um, if you're watching this on the, uh, excuse me, if you're listening to this rather on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to uh, like the video and uh, make sure you're subscribed. You have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share that really helps us out um so i think that oh yes that's right if you're interested in supporting this ministry if if you've been watching the episodes a few, a few times and you wanted you want to help out uh we'd really appreciate it go ahead over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com there's a donate button there that'll take you through paypal where you can go ahead and and uh, make a donation so yep. i think that's about it got a lot then going on oh yes got a lot going on. and it's about to get even busier yeah, sure is. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and let's pray. pray. And oh, we're in Genesis chapter thirty-eight, 38. tonight. Yep, thirty-eight. An interesting story. Yeah, if you uh, if you're watching this with children in the room or um, you've got kids around, uh, this isn't the most appropriate story. It can get a little racy. Uh, this is gonna, this story. This is this, this is going to get racy. I know we're studying the Bible, but you know the Bible is going to defy some expectations. We're, gonna, we're not going to get past what it says. But it gets a little racy. Well, what it says is racy. Yes, it is racy. <laughs> <laughs> what it says is racy. That's an easy way to say it. Yes. It, it is. Yeah, it so is. So if you're, hey, look, if, you, if you've got kids in the room, just be advised. Uh, might be might be time for them to go do something else. So. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's pray. Let's All get right. started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, for the things that, that are written here. For the for the, the lesson you're trying to teach us, we pray that you'll that you'll open our hearts and our minds, that we might see them very clearly. Help us to be the people, Father, that you want us to be. We know that we have work to do, and we pray that you help us to have the strength and the courage to do it. And help us by learning about these people and learning about their lives, we, uh, we, can, we can see what kind of God you really are. And we thank you for it. Bless us, Father, tonight. And bless our audience as they listen. I pray that they'll learn and they'll grow and that they'll be able to apply these things to their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we're in Genesis chapter uh, 38, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. It, it is kind of it is a little bit of a racy story, but there's a purpose here. Sure. And it yeah. connects. You know, we talked about how these things all connect. And so well, uh, we're trying to get to a Messiah. Correct. Yes. And this is a, is a stepping stone to get to that Messiah. It is. It doesn't seem like it. It, it, but it is not this story. <laughs> but, it really but, is. But it is. That. But there, but there are people involved that will be involved in that uh, in that story of the Messiah. Absolutely. So, so we're in Genesis chapter thirty-eight, and uh, before we jump into the text, though, before we get into the story, I want to ask you, Dan. You know, you've been an elders elder in the church for a long time. You've studied with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about all, all kind of a lot of different aspects that that entails. But what I want to ask you this morning is, having been an elder in the Lord's Church and having studied with all of these people, how twisted do our lives become? How twisted have you seen lives uh, because of sin? <laughs> oh man, it's a I, I I can't even explain sometimes how how big a train wreck some people's lives are, and not necessarily all the things that they've done, but maybe things have been done to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sin that that they were involved in may not have been their sin, but it was an environment of sin, and it just tore them into, took them into oblivion many times. And for them, even some of them, for even to just be sitting there wanting to know, is there any way out of this quagmire? And to know that there is, I mean, some of the strongest Christians I know came from 
those very places where it was so diabolical. Mm-hmm. You know, I've studied with people that were involved in cults and satanic worship. And just, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And, and you can't even imagine some of the, some of the sinfulness and some of the evil that people have been involved in. And yeah, it, it twists people and then it, and then it just undermines whole families. Whole families get, get annihilated by, by some of the sin that, that people get involved in. And, uh, and, and you can look at it and say, this is hopeless. This is hopeless. There sure. is no way that you, that's gonna, this is going to get better. And then to watch God work in people who will respond to him, people whose hearts are like you preach Sunday morning about, about being pure of heart and about David. You know, people have to allow God to change them. And when people really do that, you know, God can do great things in people's lives. He can do awesome things in people's lives. And, and then I've seen people who just couldn't get past it. They couldn't get past what was done to them, what was done by people who are supposed to love them. Mm. And I've seen people that they couldn't get past the things they have done to other people mm. and just couldn't get past it and walked away from a study. And God only knows where they ended up, where they end up in their life. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've studied with I've studied with murderers and rapists. Um, you know, I had a guy that that shot a guy six times in the middle of broad daylight on a Saturday afternoon, walked into a convenience store and killed a guy. Just shot him and killed him. Hit him six times. And then got back in his car with his wife and his little daughter and drove off. And they caught him and I got to study with him. And I'm going, what were you thinking? I don't know. Just thought it was a thing to do at the time. Needed a few bucks and that's what I got. You know, I mean, how twisted and how bad does life have to be to think that's an appropriate response to anything? Right. Yeah. Study with people that that eventually jumped off a building, killed themselves, jumped off a twenty-story building in, in Dallas, killed himself. You know, just one day it just got too much. And, you know, he's a member of the church. We baptized him. He was just his mind went, and it and it was gone, just gone. I watched him. I, I watched the. I watched him. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've told people that have studied with me. I've seen real, real evil twice. I mean, real. Where I thought something inside of this person is not right, and uh, and he was one of them. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened, but I know that uh, that it was bad, and he ended up killing himself. Now, what happened with him? That's up to God. God's going to deal with all of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you know. Sin can really, really twist, especially, you know, you know and think, not and, just just sin. And, and I want to interject real quick because that might confuse some people. Some people might hear that statement, you know, he's a member of the Lord's Church, but then he went and killed himself. And, you know, God at the end is going to is going to handle the situation. And some people might go, well, he committed suicide. Isn't that a the mortal sin? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've heard people say that before. You know, Samson committed suicide as well. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews. Yeah, in Hebrews 11. So, mm-hmm. I mean... This concept that suicide is suicide is like any other sin. It is murder, like like any other sin, mm-hmm. right? Murder is a sin. Adultery is a sin. We, there's all sorts of sins, right? When we know the good and we don't do it, that's sin too. And the penalty for all sin is the same. It's death. But, and Christ forgives us. That's in faith. When we have faith in Christ, his blood washes us of these things. This is why it's so things. important, Cole, that we don't stand in judgment of people. Absolutely. Because we don't know what's in their heart. Absolutely. When you take, when you see a guy take a Bible like this and rip it into, rip it. 
They told us, don't give me any more Bibles because he's tearing them up. I said, what, he's taking the pages out? No. He said, I watched him rip it like this in two. Something's wrong. Something terribly wrong in that person's life. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened to him inside of sure. him. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what was going on. So I can't stand in judgment of him. I don't know if it was murder or not. I don't know what it was. Well, I mean, we don't, and we don't need to worry about that's not, no. we're not here no. to judge the world. Paul, no. Paul actually makes the point in first Corinthians, you know, you're not here to judge the world. That's not your job. The war, God's going to handle that. Yeah. God's going to judge the world. You're here, right? To preach the gospel. You're you know, here to teach. What did people. Jesus say? I did not come to judge the world. Right. I came to save them. I came to save it. Right. Even Jesus said, I didn't right. come to. So, and, and, and Jesus tells us in, in Matthew says, be very careful what so, measure you use. You know, so we're using the word judge a lot. So let's, let's get a little bit more specific mm-hmm. and a little bit more on target. We're talking about condemning. Yeah. We're not here to condemn. Obviously we need to use sound mind and sound judgment mm-hmm. to say, those things aren't okay. We shouldn't do those things. Those things aren't yeah. right. You're not supposed to do it. Obviously, we need judgment for that. But we're talking about the act of condemnation um, and only God. And Jesus said condemns. in chapter 3, it says in chapter 3, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. Right. But he came to save it. That's correct. Two things he said. I didn't come to condemn it. I didn't come to judge it. Well, and he doesn't and he doesn't need to. In Romans chapter 1, Paul makes it very clear that the world already stands condemned because they knew God and mm-hmm. they did not honor him. Mm-hmm. And so... We don't need to add into that. We don't need to no. look. We, we already no. know where the world's at. No. We don't need to add into that. But it's interesting. You know, you talk about some of the horrors that have happened to people because of sin and just how twisted it can become. And we've seen God throughout this story in Genesis. We've seen him uh, work with very broken people and in, in very <laughs> uh, immediate, I want to say immediate circumstances, right? God is going to <coughs> turn things very quickly around mm-hmm. you know abraham lies about his wife god is swooping in on a cloud and he's he's uh closing up the womb of the the, the wives of all the king right mm-hmm. um or he's cursing you know the king and then abraham gets his wife back and so god very immediately is working these things out <coughs> in, in genesis Absolutely. chapter 38 we're going to see a different story we're going to see god working out the sin of the world using two very of an incredibly flawed family but we're going to see just how flawed that family gets and the power of god to take some wickedness <coughs> some really absolutely. bad stuff yeah, and turn it towards his purpose and his plan of course we're not going to see that final outcome the final outcome time. would be christ yeah so we're not going to see that final outcome but it's 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 really an interesting story and so it is it is a little bit racy though yeah, it, it is, is a racy it story, is. It is. It but is. it is also interesting to see how God yeah. works. So let's let's just get into the text We're in Genesis chapter 38. If you remember, in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph had been sold off into slavery. His brothers wanted to kill him. Reuben tried to step in and save him, although he didn't try that hard because he, he didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. And he left him in a cistern mm-hmm. with a bunch of murderous brothers. Mm-hmm. So uh, Judah ended up saying, hey, you know, we don't want his blood on our hands. So let's sell him into slavery if that, as if that was better. And so he sells Joseph off into slavery. Joseph is taken away. They lie. They take his robe. They dip it in blood. They tear it up, dip it in blood, and then give it to his father and his father, and they all start mourning him. It's at this time in Genesis chapter 38, verse 1. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Herah. There, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her, made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. 
She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kezib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for her. Okay. We've just jumped 20 years? 16, maybe. Maybe, I mean, maybe 50, 18, something who, like that. Who knows? You know, who knows? You know, I, I mean, don't know when he... I mean, he, I don't know when, when the time that you'd go get a wife for your son. Maybe he's 20. Let's say he's 20 years old. It could be 30. Could be. Could be 30. Yeah, I mean, this we, we church, and what, what I want to point out here is, in just one verse, we jumped... 30 years. Decades. 25 Could be years. decades. Yeah. Easily. Mm-hmm. So... You've got to pay attention to this stuff. We got to we got to make sure we're catching on to this. So Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death. Now we're not told what he did that was no, wicked. We don't know. We have no idea why he was wicked. We don't know what he was doing. No. We don't know. Um, now we can make some educated guesses based on the rest of this story, based on the actions of his brother. Maybe he wasn't being faithful to his wife because he's frustrating something here. God is working, wants to work through this family, mm-hmm. and these people are frustrating it. So it very well could be something where he was maybe he was stepping out on his wife. Maybe he wasn't faithful to her. Maybe he was putting her away. That would be my guess, but we don't know. It doesn't. The text well, does it says not he specify. was wicked. Probably wasn't a one-time event. No, it was a lifestyle. It was yeah, it was absolutely a lifestyle. Absolutely. He was, he was living in in direct opposition to God's law. Absolutely. Now, some of this, you know, his father, his grandfather, they do some things that are shady sometimes, but they don't live in direct opposition to God. Well, but they also get up and go. Yeah. You know, you know, there isn't They have faith in God. They do have faith. Yes. So whatever he is doing, there isn't any faith. Because God took him out. Because God took him out. Yeah. There's no faith here. Yeah. All right. So verse eight, then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. All right. Let's pump the brakes here. Let's talk about something real quick. Okay. Okay. So in our culture, uh, that's horrific. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. That's incredibly taboo. Uh, you do. You absolutely do not do it. In their culture, it was viewed differently. And so the brother in this case would have been considered a kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they didn't want the family line to die out. And so the brother-in-law would step in and take well, her on as a wife. We have a different perception of, of seed line than they did. We have a different perception of the, the family name dying out than they did. Well, yes and no. I, I would I'd point out the United States military, you can't join the military if you're the last male, male heir of a family. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we still do pay attention to those things. Well, it's in not, some instances. It's not but p- in highly the, publicized. In the general but, psyche of people, sure, we have sure. a different perception of, you know, you, you get a, a, a daughter-in-law, it, I don't really care if I don't have male children. You're not coming into my house. That's kind of the mindset, you know. I married your brother. I didn't marry you. Right. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. For sure. So we yeah. have a different mindset. Yeah, well, there's a lot. I, will, of... I, I am fine just having daughters. <laughs> Look, there is there is a, a, I mean, we're talking about a culture that existed 4,000 years yes, ago. Yes, I understand. Yeah. 6,000 years ago. Yeah. I mean, we're, it, it gets pretty far back. And I think there. it's important that we point it out that it's a different culture. Very different. We don't have the same mindset. No, so it's do. hard for us to grab a hold of this. Yeah, that's right. How awful. Well, it's not awful to them. 
Right. God tells them to do this stuff. Yes, this is actually in the law. It is in it the law. It is in the law of Moses that yeah. this is now, the They don't have it yet, but it will be in the law of Moses. So, yes, it will. So evidently, they've been told by God to do this. Well, I, I'm not really sure at this point. Now, remember, this is being told to Israelites who are wandering through the wilderness. Yes. They are hearing this. Yeah. You know, they're hearing some of it at the, you know, on the way to Mount Sinai. They're hearing some of it at the foot of Mount Sinai. They're hearing it on the way to the, on the way to land. They're hearing it. I mean, they're, they're being immersed in this story. God right? is opening Moses' mouth and Aaron's mouth and they're talking. Absolutely. And, and he so is talking through them. These are the stories they're hearing. And so there are a lot of references made in Genesis. Look, it's two things in the law to well, two things in the law to point out. Yes. You know, it was mm-hmm. like this. There there's always kind of been this backdrop of expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, well, I mean, you go all the way back to Cain and Abel. Right. God tells Cain said, if you do what's right, don't you want you to be accepted? Sure. So there was a right and wrong that oh, God yes. had already told them. Absolutely. And I think there's a right, because God doesn't condemn these people for what's fixing to happen here. And I don't want to get too deep into no. the law aspect of it. We're going to have lots of time to talk about lots that. Lots of time, yeah. We're going to have lots, lots of time to talk about that. And so I don't want to get too, too deep but into it. when we it. have a title of Law and the Prophets, the law is involved. Well, it's inter- under, it's understand, intertwined church, here. this is the law. And we started off talking about that. This is part of the law. The law is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's right. That is what the law is comprised of. So this is part of it. But I would like to point out that when God meets Moses, Moses asks him, what's your name? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And he says, I am who I am. Yahweh, the Lord, in all caps. In Genesis, that name is mentioned multiple times. Multiple times. Multiple times. But it wasn't mentioned to them. Abraham did not know God by that name. No. Neither did Jacob nor Isaac. None of them knew God by that name. They knew him as El Shaddai, mm-hmm. God Almighty. That's mm-hmm. what they knew him by. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we see in the text where Moses is conveying to these people wandering through the wilderness who, is. who God is. The Lord. And it, it's all caps. That's because he Yahweh. is. Now you guys know this is Yahweh. This is covenant God. This is our God, the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. That God is doing this. Yeah. And so that ended up in the text. Okay. But what Abraham knew, what Isaac knew, what Jacob knew was not always the same. And it can get a little <coughs> confusing and we'll point it out as these things occur. Yeah. We don't know uh, outside of the fact that Ur was wicked. So he puts him to death. We come to Onan. Onan is now his responsibility. What he His expectation is to step in, to take on this woman as a wife and to raise up offspring for his brother. Um, and that's, and that's look at verse nine, but Onan knew that the child would not be his. So he understands what's going on. So whenever he is, he has given a child to his brother, even though he's dead to his brother's legacy. Yes. That's what he's doing. Yes. He doesn't want to do that. No, he does not. And in verse nine, it makes it very clear. He knew it and he didn't want to do it. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, so he's willing. So it's interesting because he's willing to take her on as a wife. He's willing to take her on as a wife. He's willing to have sex with the woman, but he's not willing to fulfill his uh, responsibility. He's not willing to do the right thing. That (laughs) evidently God has said to do because, well, let's finish reading it. So he's built a semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. So this was the intent with why he was doing this. I don't want to give this woman a child, right? What he did was wicked. Notice that word again. Wicked in the Lord's sight. So the no. Lord put him to death See, wait, also. 
it was wicked in the Lord. The, so God has told them, do this. He's told it. May not be in the law yet. Well, we, and and so this is and this is where that tension exists, right? So the law of Moses at this time doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But yet we've seen multiple times where God says it's, you know, this is wrong. In fact, with Abraham and the second king that he lied to, that king who was not a Jew looked at God and said, we would have never done this because I know it's wrong. And God said, I know. That's why I kept you from sinning. Yeah. So mind blow here. This guy didn't, that guy wasn't even a Jew. And so there's always been some type of law. There's, and we, and oftentimes Absolutely. it's referred to as the moral law. Absolutely. Um, the moral law existed. These are, these are right and wrong. The things that we should do um, without any type of, any type of law, like law from like the law of Moses law. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is another, another type where we see that. So, but evidently what he's doing is, is, uh, is, an, is an abomination to God. It is. It is. God it's looks at it and says, how dare you? It's, how it's, dare you? It's incredibly wicked in God's sight. Absolutely. Because God has given you a direct command. Well, and I, again, I, I'm not so certain of that. Um, I'm not certain that God eventually does give that command. Mm-hmm. This gets this practice gets enshrined. At some point, right. God has given this command sure. to somebody. Oh yeah, because that's why He's doing oh, it. Oh okay, so and maybe that's, not to Onan. And so that but becomes giving, and because when His Father says jump, what is He supposed to do? He's supposed to do it. He's supposed to jump. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of wickedness really Absolutely. involved in what's going on here, Absolutely. and there's and it's a couple of different things. What I'd like to point out is that. Whatever the moral law, whatever goes into that moral law, however we want to look at that, it is not always something that God expressly said this or that. Sometimes, you know, it's, well, you know, you know, that's not, that's not correct. I'm no. going to, I'm going to walk that statement no, no, back. Look, God, God is speaking through patriarchs. Absolutely. Yes. Abraham, yes. Isaac, Jacob. Okay. These guys, whether he tells them and we have it written down or not, makes no difference. He has told them. No, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe, maybe through through just talking to them in their heads, he's told them. How does he come up with this unless he knows that this is what God wants? Well, to do? and this is and this is the reason I'm I'm wrestling with this a little bit. And so, what command? What command is this violating? Go go go! Be fruitful and multiply. Okay, there. I'll give you that one. Absolutely, this is absolutely violating that command. They are not supposed to be doing this. But what if it's a command that was been given to them that we don't have? And and it could have been, and it could have been, and that may be because God forgot for these guys to be dead. They done something. That's right. They have. They have. They have stepped outside the realm of being obedient to God and said, "I don't care what you say." Right. That's what they've done. So they have to know if they, if he told it to Judah, I mean, if he told it to, to Jacob, to Israel, fine. When Especially, Israel said it yes. to them, mm-hmm. it is God's law. Especially considering the punishment. Absolutely. Especially considering the fact that it he, was, he takes them out. If it was a slap on the wrist, that's one thing. But he kills them. He takes them out. You're right. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, even Cain, he just marks him, lets everybody else have him. But but here these two guys are dead. Well, and what we need to understand is they're not just they're not nobody. They are somebody. They are children of this promise, and God is working this promise through this family line. Mm-hmm. And they are they are frustrating the plans of God. God wants to do something with Tamar. He's trying to do something through Tamar. 
and these two these two knuckleheads are stopping it. <laughs> you, God's still got a plan today. That's right. He's got things on the on the burners for us to do, and when we step outside of the commands of God, we may be we may be circumventing a plan that God has in effect to do something right now that we don't have any clue about. You know, we better be of, careful. It reminds me of Jonah and Josiah. <laughs> Remember Josiah? Mm-hmm. The Egyptian king comes to him and he says, that is Josiah, I believe. That's that's that Israelite Israelite king. Is it Josiah or is it I'll have to look. It's one of the one of the kings, one of the sons of David who was like David. And I can't remember if it's Josiah Not or Hezekiah. Josiah. Not Josiah. Mm. Uh, he, the Egyptian king comes to him and he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to pass through here and go make war because your God told me to. And Josiah's like, or Hezekiah, one of them, says, no, I'm going to stand in your way anyway. And then he dies. He gets killed. I don't remember which one. He loses that. the battle. I can't remember if it's Hezekiah or just, we'll have to go back and look at that. But especially with Jonah as well, <laughs> Jonah frustrating the plans of God. God says, go over there and tell these people in the white mountain. He goes, I ain't doing that. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> yeah. I got swallowed by a big fish. Yeah. So, and then it vomits him out on the bank after three days. <laughs> he said, you know, maybe I better listen. You know, I, I think I'll I just think I'll go. He didn't like it. He didn't like it still. <laughs> still didn't like it. He didn't like it, but he still goes. Church, you don't have to like what God is doing, but you actually do have to do what he tells you to do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of times we don't really like what, what we're supposed to be doing. We do it anyway. So, and in this it. instance, Onan tried to... Uh, you know, he tried to enjoy the fruit of it all, but without actually doing the deed. So yeah. the Lord puts him to death also. This is also why I go back up to the other verse where it says, Ur was wicked in the sight of the Lord. You know, there's that parallel between these two statements. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to think that somehow Ur was frustrating what, the work what, of God here we, as well. What do we got? Two boys here? Mm-hmm. We got two children here? What What's going on here? What What's that? What What's mom and daddy doing? That's a good point. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, question. it doesn't tell us, but I, I just wonder what, you know, why they think it's okay to circumvent God's law. That I mean, that dramatically, that they, they get dead for it. You know, where's mom and daddy? Yeah. Guys, I don't know. guys, get involved in your kid's life. Get involved in your kid's life. So well, God can't say, this is your fault. Judah heard you, and he's going to get involved. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. He's going to get involved, all right. Verse 11. Maybe Ju- this is what the problem is. Yeah. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's household until my son Sheila grows up. For he thought, he may die too, just like his brother. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. See, Judah's getting involved. He's saying, all right, Tamar, go live as a widow in your father's household. We're going to do the right thing. I've got one more son. He's going to come up and he'll marry you. Mm-hmm. Right? But then what's he does? After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira the Adulamite went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that though Sheila had now grown up, he had not been given, she had not been given to him as a wife. So Tamar sees that Judah is... Has not done what he promised he was going to do. Not done what he promised he was going to do and not done what was expected. Yeah. The expectation is you have this daughter-in-law, you need to now marry her to your final son. Yeah. All right. So when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute. For she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. 
And what will give what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her and she became pregnant by him. This is like a days of your life soap opera, man. <laughs> I'm wondering, where is his wife? She's dead. She died. Oh, she, di- she died. Judas, okay. Yeah, it's said right. it. It said in the text. Yeah, yeah you're uh, right. You're yeah. right. She died. She's dead. Yeah, it was when I was when we were first coming through this again. That's what I was thinking too. I, I was like, wife. dude, where's your wife? Well, how come he don't have another wife? You know, and that's a, that's a great question. I mean, he's he's marrying off all his sons. Why, he's why marrying he off have all a, his sons. Why, why his his he dad has wife? multiple wives. Is he too so old? Maybe to have he a wife? only took maybe only took one. I mean, is he too old to have a wife? So he's sleeping with prostitutes. It's probably not, not a good idea. Plan? It's probably not a good idea. God, Especially God's got he, you know God's got to love me. Because I ain't never slept with a prostitute. <laughs> not, not a, all my life as a Christian, I've never slept with a prostitute. George, if you watch this, I have never slept with a you know, you know, these guys, these guys are unbelievable. It makes it makes it. Uh, it gives you, know, you hope. It gives huh? me a great sense of relief. <laughs> great sense of relief. relief that, that God can use these people. Man, I am a lock. You're a lock, man. So, I'm just kidding, you guys. Really, it's it's just sometimes it's amazing what you what you find. I had forgotten this chapter was even here. You know, if you notice that my Bible's all this one chapter is not really marked up. You know, so but man, it's amazing. Well, and let's and let's keep going because it's more. It's, she's not just a prostitute, right? No, so meanwhile, she's not. Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adulamite in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there. Where is the shrine prostitute? She wasn't just a prostitute. Mm-hmm. She was a temple prostitute, a shrine prostitute. That's what <coughs> Judah thought she was. Going in and sleeping with this woman is part of worship in this culture. Okay. So Judah didn't just go in and sleep with a prostitute. He worshiped some idol or some other god as well. Whether yeah. he wanted to or not, that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty horrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So just to just to understand the full breadth of what went on here, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. They said. So he went back to Judah and he said, "You know, I, I never, I never saw that before." Yeah. You know that that's a that's that's. This is this no is matter a major. How much you study, guys, you can always learn yeah, something. Yeah. This is a major thing. This is this becomes a very a, a very uh, cautionary tale to the Israelites who are now getting ready to move into that land because this is exactly what Balaam does. Mm-hmm. He sends in, uh, he, he, Balaam advises um, the king of the, I want to say it's the Moabites, but it not might not be. I can't remember the name of that <coughs> king, but Balaam tells that king, we'll send in, send in a bunch of cult prostitutes and the Israelites will sleep with them and you'll stir God's wrath against them. That's what Balaam tells him to do, and he does it, and it, it works. And it works. God kills a bunch of them. Yeah. So they get warned about this. Don't sleep. Don't worship other gods. What we need to understand is sometimes the worship of other gods is through acts like this, through prostitutes like this. And it's not that odd. Aphrodite, a whole priesthood of prostitutes mm-hmm. under Aphrodite in, in the Greco-Roman world. Mm-hmm. So this is a very common thing. This is <laughs> this is used as well, an I mean, act that, of worship I mean, in a lot of places. The church at Corinth. You know, there was there was temple worship, goddess worship, shrine worship. Sure. You know, and, and much of it was involved. Uh, it, it involved prostitutes and homosexuality yeah. and all kinds of stuff. It Absolutely. Involved. 
and 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 much of what is being taught in First and Second Corinthians is about don't do this. This is what you did before. Don't do this stuff. This is wrong, you know, to do this and do that. You know, it's this is wrong, and you know, so we it's you how many how many times do you hear of preachers, young preachers, uh, even older preachers, youth ministers that that get caught up with a student or get caught up with a with a church member or something. And now their whole lives are being torn apart. Well, I've, you know, I've heard about it a couple of times. You know, there are always those horror stories. And so, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, again, we go back, we go back to Joseph or excuse me, we go back to Jacob and the things we've said, you know, be a man, stand up and be a man, be a spiritual man ahead of your household and do the right thing. And say no to the temptations around you. Say no. It's so important, church. You know, grow a backbone and say no. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Fight. Fight against Satan. That's what God God gives us the strength to fight against him. He does. You know, when we get when we get caught in the in the dark somewhere, when when and not doing what we're supposed well, to be, be doing. Be wise. You know, we I've talked about quite a bit. You know, that this summer I've watched it. I've had all four kids with me, mm-hmm. and so and you know it's been it's been a nightmare. It's been very difficult trying to do this job, which is a full time job, and then trying to handle these four kids, which is a full time job in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And so, what did I tell you today? I said, you know, I've I've learned my lesson. We're not doing this again next summer. Mm-hmm. We are getting prepped and we are getting ready mm-hmm. next for next year. So when next year rolls around, we can put these kids mm-hmm. in stuff. We can have them doing stuff. So I am not here with them Monday through Friday. Yeah, because that's yeah. not a winning winning combo. Church, you got to know your limits. You got to know what's going to work and what's not. You need to know what's going to. If I go and do this, then this is this gonna could happen. happen, and this and could I don't be want bad. that. I don't yeah. want that. So I'm going to stay as far away from it as possible. Well, Church, we have, to, gotta we be have smart. to work on this. We we have to be. We have to plan. We have to anticipate. I, I told you know my first grandson that that we uh, that we really were involved with. I told him all the time. I said, learn how to anticipate. Anticipate Absolutely. what's coming next. That's right. If I do this, what the what is ha- going to happen? You can figure it out. I said, you're a smart kid. You can figure it out. So now I'm telling the little ones, anticipate. If you do this, what's grandma going to do? If she's done the same thing every time, you can anticipate. If I do this, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's not doesn't take it's not a, doesn't take a mental giant to figure this out. No, so, it doesn't. You know, and it's the same for us as adults. If I do this, what's the possibility that this could go south? Church, stop letting Satan eat your lunch. Yeah, stop yeah. it. Yeah, you know, we are promised. We are promised. That in every temptation we are given a way of escape. Yeah, that is a promise from God. Absolutely. Don't don't try to make God a liar. Stand up and fight back. The Start reason we don't getting... find that way is because we're not looking for it. Well, not only not only you know what sometimes it's we don't look for it, and sometimes it's because we really want to do what we've done again. Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. So we church, want to do what we've always done. So church, look, I'm not sitting here trying to trying to bash heads or throw rocks. I've got it in my life too. I've got places so where I need I. to do a bit better, and I know Dan does too. Church, let's all together promise to be praying for each other and to be fighting back. It is not okay to just roll over for sin every time it rolls around. We have to anticipate, we have to be wise, and we have to fight back. Absolutely. And Absolutely. thank God for his Great blood. Great lesson from this from this chapter. That Great covers lesson. us. Absolutely. We're not done yet. No, we're not. So, <clears throat> so he went back to Judah and said, this is verse 22. He went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said that there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Verse 23, then Judah said, let her keep what she has or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her this young goat, 
but she didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. Man, Judah's a big man. Real big man. Well, remember, he doesn't know. You know, he, he did sin. Yes, he did. But he doesn't know. He's condemning someone. He, he does. Is he not guilty? Yes, of yes. I'm not. I'm not saying he. I'm not saying he did something wrong. This girl, he he wants her punished. Okay. He doesn't know it was him yet. He doesn't know that. He's guilty of two things. Yes, he is. First of all, only two. Well, probably more. But first of all. He did not give his son like he said he was. That's absolutely true. And the second thing, he's guilty of prostitution. Yes. So he's guilty of these things, and he's going to have this woman burned. But let you know what? I I, I don't need to say another word. I'm going to just let Judah talk. There you go. All right. right. Verse 25. She was being brought out. She sent a message to her father-in-law. Now imagine what being brought out to be burned alive was like. And she's three months pregnant. They're going to burn her and the kid. Yep. Hmm. I am pregnant, she says, by the man who owns these. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I would not give her my son, Sheila. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwives took a scarlet thread and tied it to his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when he drew his hand back, his brother came out and she said, so this is how you've broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out and he was named Zara. I think Judah was humbled just a little bit. You think? Now notice no, the no, text doesn't... I, I think humbled is probably not a strong enough word. He was... He was crushed for what he'd done, and he knows what he did was wrong. He he said, "You are more, this woman is more righteous than I am. This is the patriarch of God says this woman has done nothing wrong." It wasn't that difficult, though. No, I know it wasn't. No, I know it wasn't. <laughs> I've but, heard a few more but, but he does he does uh, acknowledge that she is the righteous one here. He's not. She yeah. is. He did something he shouldn't have done, but he's gonna fix it, guys. You can do stuff. We we do stuff that we should not do, all of us. But how are you going to respond when you're caught? Are you going to fix it? Do you fix it? You know, he's going to fix it. He recognizes that he was the person that slept with her, so he's going to fix it. And he does. And he gives her to Sheila like he's supposed to. He should have done already. He should have done that. And and then not only is he going to have one grandson, he's going to have two. Maybe we ought to tell them why this is significant. Go over to Ruth chapter 4, church. If you're in your Bible, stay. Go over to Ruth chapter 4. In verse 18, this then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nation. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. He needed Petters here. That's right. He needed him here. And he got him here so that he could do what? Continue the seed line through David. Okay, that's what it says. So this this 
kid over here that was that was born to a supposed prostitute. That's right. You know, with with Judah. Remember, we've always said, what's why is Judah significant? Because the Messiah is going to come from him. You know, and they didn't they didn't know this church. They didn't know any of that no, was going to happen. No, they didn't know. But it, it's one thing that we can always have faith in. And as we've gone through this book, this 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 Genesis, this beginning, as you know, it's the beginning of screw ups. That's really what it is. It's the beginning of screw ups, and it's the beginning of God acting in faith and fixing our screw ups. Yeah, that's what this book is. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, we mess up, and God steps in and helps. He's still doing it. And he's, and you know what? It's amazing because he's always there. Even here in this toddy, twisted, you know, days of our lives, soap opera of a story, God's right here and he's working. Yeah, I know they're messed up, but I got this. Mm -hmm. Watch what I'm going to do with this. And church, you've got a, you've got a decision to make tonight. You know, maybe you're out there and your, your life is, is a total ramshackle because of sin. What do you think God can do with it? You know, we had a we had a brother here I was talking to just recently, and he was so upset because, you know, he you know he wants to do this or he wants to do that, and he's getting frustrated. And you know, I told him, well, you were told what you needed to do. And he goes, well, I've been waiting fourteen years. And I said, imagine what would have happened if fourteen years ago you had done what you were told you needed to do. If your life is twisted up in sin, if it's got if it's got Satan's claw marks all over, I want to encourage you, give it over to God. Because it's really amazing what God can do. There is no train wreck, no shipwreck, no plane crash that is too much for him to handle. And you know, the question you asked today was I've been through a lot, seen a lot, a lot of a lot of studied with a lot of people, and and I only talked about the people that were really the people that I saw that were just so bad. I mean, it was awful. But I didn't say much about the people that I've watched God really blossom. You know, Tim Anselka was was one of those, you know what, you just walk away from it. You walk away from it because it's it's hopeless. He, he's never going to change. He's never going to get a grip, ever. And none of us here did. We didn't. And he didn't. And because of it, because of, of him coming out of the quagmire where he was at, his wife became faithful and his mother-in-law became faithful. His mother-in-law died in a faithful relationship with God and so did his wife. You know, and he's he's a faithful, godly man today and he will be the first to tell you he was, I was one of the worst. I was one of the worst. I had a, I had a relationship with his mom and his mom told me stories that I don't think he knows that I know. You know, and and it just and some of the things he can tell you about what happened in his life, you think I don't understand how he got where he is because he let God take over, he let God fix it, and fixed all the alcohol problems and the drug problems and all that stuff, and his life was a mess, and he wouldn't have a problem me telling you that either. But so, you know, our God has done that over and over in and me and, and me. in you. And in, in Lee, who's who's helping us record, and in, there is not a soul, there is not a soul that is in the church that God has not come in and cleaned up. Like like I, I you hear me say all the time, this isn't a church, man. It's a hospital. That's Everybody right. in this place is in one state of recovery or another. There is no such thing 
as you're not good enough for God. That's exactly right. Because, you know, you're right. You're not. And none of us are. are. None of us. That's the point. If you were good enough for God, then Christ didn't have to die. It's just that simple. He went to the cross for you. He went to the cross to offer you a chance to get into relationship with him. So if you're watching this tonight or whenever you're watching this and you don't, you're not in that relationship or your life has become a quagmire because of sin, you know, give us a call. Absolutely. Reach out to us. Absolutely. We'd love to talk you to you. You have not been where we have not heard about somebody being. I promise you. You have not been. You, can, you know, Might even be somewhere where we've been. Oh, probably. <laughs> probably. You know, I mean... And if you're in, the, if you're one of the members here, and uh, and you you're looking at it and saying, man, I'm i I know where y'all are talking about. I've come through it, man. Share that story with somebody. Sure. Share it with somebody because you may God may find have a plan for you to share it with somebody that needs to hear it today. Yes. That needs to hear that message today because they are they are stuck in the mud. They're stuck in quicksand and they're and they're drowning, and they don't have any hope. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who to call to because they feel like they've called to God and God hadn't answered. Maybe he is answering. Maybe he's using you to answer them. Maybe you need to talk to him. Maybe you need to just, open, just say, hey, I can help. I got somebody you need to meet and introduce them to Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your son. We know, Father, there is no hope without him. There are people that are watching. There are people that are, that are uh, involved in so much sin that we know about that need your help. Give us the strength and the courage to introduce them to your son. Thank you for the opportunities you're going to give us. Help us to not miss them. Help us to be very very clearly having our eyes open so that we see those times when they come. Thank you for the opportunities, Father. Thank you so much. They will grow us all, and we thank you for them, and thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.